Go ahead and be turning with me to 1 Samuel chapter 12, if you would please. 1 Samuel chapter 12. You know this scripture, you've heard it many times. But it's a declaration of God's sovereignty in the matter of salvation. It says, For the Lord will not forsake His people. Why? For His great name's sake. Because it hath pleased the Lord to make you His people. I believe this verse proves 100% that salvation is of the Lord and it has nothing to do with what the sinner does. The first three verses of the verse should be our first clue for the Lord. (laughs) Salvation always, always begins with the Lord. For the Lord will not forsake His people. You see, the Lord is faithful that promised. If He says He'll do something, He'll do it. And if He says that He won't do something, you can be assured that He won't. That's why I love the God of the Bible. He does whatsoever He wills. And no one can cause Him to do what He won't do. What won't the Sovereign Lord do? Well, here we're told by Samuel whatever he says that he won't do. (laughs) He will not forsake his people. People will forsake you. But if you're one of God's, he won't. And that's not referring when it says his people. That's not referring to everyone in the world. You know that. Everyone in the world does belong to Him as His creation, but that's not talking about every one of them. It's talking about those that He's made His. His people. A specific people. A distinguished people. A redeemed people. The sinner that He was pleased to save by His grace, He saves and He keeps. That's pretty simple, isn't it? This is not a hard message to understand. It's impossible to believe apart from God's mercy and grace and revelation to us. And Isaiah, by inspiration of God, wrote in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 24, The Lord of hosts hath sworn, saying, Surely as I have thought it shall come, so shall it come to pass. And as I have purposed, so shall it stand. Do you believe that? Isaiah continued in verse 26 by saying, This is the purpose that is purposed upon the whole earth. And this is the hand that is stretched out upon all the nations. In other words, God is in control of everything. Every single thing. Do you believe that? Well, most everyone says they do. I heard a local pastor quite popular in the community, say that God is sovereign. And I, 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 my jaw dropped. But then he said, He's in control of everything except salvation. Well, if that's so, then God's not sovereign. And if, that's, if man has to let God save him, if man has to choose God, if man has to give God his heart, it's man. If man has to make Jesus Lord, 
then man is sovereign and he's in control of God, right? Isaiah went on to say, For the Lord of hosts hath purposed, and who shall disannul it? And his hand is stretched out, and who shall turn it back? That sounds like a sovereign, omnipotent, almighty God to me. How about you? How could anyone say that God is in control of everything and not believe the salvations of the Lord? Our Lord Himself said, You have not chosen me, but I've chosen you. God says, I'll have mercy on whom I'll have mercy. So that kind of thinking cannot be. And our text declares two things here in particular about this matter of salvation. First, it's the Lord who makes some His people. And it's the Lord who will not forsake those that He makes His. He saves us and He keeps us. It's the sovereign God's purpose to save some. And who can disannul what He's promised? Who can turn His hand back from doing what He's purposed to do? Nobody. No one. Nothing. For the Lord will not forsake His people. Are there any in hell for whom God made His? Will any perish that Christ died for? No. If there are any in hell that God made His, if there are any who perish for whom Christ died for, then God is an imposter and He's not God. And man is His own God making salvation of man. But that's not what the book teaches. Salvation is of the Lord. Five words that declare a multitude. People say that. Salvation's of the Lord, but, but you've got to give Him your heart. You've got to make Him Lord. So on and so forth. You know, when you ask the question of an inquiring child, especially in their learning years, they'll bombard you with the question, why? <laughs> I will in this message by the grace of God and answer, uh, ask you that question many times today and answer it with the same answer. Why? Because. <laughs> the mother says it's time to brush your teeth and the child says, why? <laughs> the mother responds, well, because we need to brush our teeth at least twice a day and then the question follows, why? And the parent again answers, because I want you to have healthy teeth. And the child again says, why? Well, because uh, I want you to be able to chew your food. And that three-letter question is once again asked, why? Because you need to eat in order to live. Why? Because I love you and I want you to live. Why? I don't have any more answers. Because I said so. I can't tell you how many times my mother said that to me because I said so. Whatever the Lord is pleased, friends, He does. Why? Because He says so. He says so in this Word. He's the Father and we are the children. Romans chapter 8 tells us very plainly all things work together for the good of them that love God to them who are called according to His purpose. And then he goes on to tell us why. For whom God foreknew, He did predestinate. He 
predetermined to be conformed to the image of His Son. God purposed in eternity past to make His people, that's who we're talking about, His people, not the world, His people, conform to the image of Christ. Every single one that believes and trusts in the Lord Jesus is one day going to be just like Him. Well, we're just like Him now in the eyes of God. Moreover, Paul wrote, in addition and on top of that or because of that, whom He did predestinate, predetermined to believe, them He also called. You and I didn't call on God until He called us. No man can come. No man can call. Why? Because we're dead in trespasses and sin. And those whom God called, He justified, and one day He'll glorify. Why? Because it pleased Him to do so. Because that's what He says in His Word. What do we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? If God, it's God who freely gives us all things in Christ. These verses describe God as He is. Sovereign, omnipotent, almighty. And folks say, well, there you go again. I had a man one time not very long ago say, so why do you have to qualify God as sovereign? Doesn't God mean sovereign? It does to me, but to a lot of folks it doesn't. And we have to distinguish the God of the Bible from the God of men's imaginations by declaring Him to be God Almighty. God is Almighty. We're not. Hannah was barren. She couldn't produce life within herself. You remember that story. What a picture that is of us. We can't, we can't produce life within ourselves. And you remember what she said? Well, we're right here close. Turn back a few pages to 1 Samuel chapter 1. Hold your place. And uh, 1 Samuel chapter 1. Verse 18. She said, Lord, let your handmaid find grace in thy sight. And you know what happened? The Lord showed her mercy and He gave her grace. Look down at verse 20. Wherefore, it came to pass. Listen, all things come to pass because God brings them to pass. When it came to pass, when the time was come about, God's the one who brings things to pass and about. After Hannah had conceived, and she bare a son and called his name Samuel. You know the name Samuel means asked of the Lord. Why did the Lord give a son to one who was barren? Hannah tells us, she calls, because I have asked of the Lord. Because I have asked of the Lord. You see, it's the discretion. It's, it's the choice of the Lord to give. And it's the pleasure and desire of the Lord to save whom He will. Why? Because it pleased Him to make you His people. And because of that, He'll never forsake us for His name's sake. For His own glory. But like children, some... 
most, keep asking why. Well, we shouldn't. Why? Because whatever the Lord pleased, that did He. David said in Psalm 115.3 that our God's in the heavens and He does, what does He do? Whatsoever He pleases. He's God Almighty. Whatsoever the Lord pleased, that did He. Not just in heaven, but in earth and in the seas and all deep places. You can look into the the galaxies above at night and stars that are millions and millions and millions of light years away. Light years. He's in control of each one. Not one falls from the sky that God does not purpose to fall. None can stay His hand. None can ask to Him why. We're reputed as nothing, Daniel says, and uh, he does all things according to his will. That word according means it's specified by or in compliance with or in agreement with. What are we in compliance with? Who God is. If you never see God as sovereign, omnipotent, and almighty, then you've never seen the true God. Now that's just a fact. Not trying to ruffle feathers, not trying to upset anyone. It's just the truth. He's God and there is none other. The Lord, He is God. There is none else beside Him. <laughs> what does that mean? Just what it says. That's what Hannah said after the Lord blessed her. He said, There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee, neither is there any rock like our God. And then she said, Talk. No more exceeding proudly. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge and by Him actions are weighed. And friends, there is nothing, I mean nothing more arrogant than when a sinner thinks that they can and have saved themselves. That is an attempt to rob God of the glory of salvation. She said the bows of those who think themselves mighty are broken. But they that stumble, the weak and the meek, those whom God saves, are what? Girded with strength. It's the Lord that killeth and maketh alive. It's the Lord that brings down to the grave. It's the Lord that bringeth up. It's the Lord that maketh poor and maketh rich. It's the Lord who raises up beggars, mercy beggars, from the dunghill to set them among princes. And He makes them to inherit the throne of glory. Now my mom made me brush my teeth, but He makes me to inherit the things of glory. Why? Because the pillars of the earth are the Lord's. He does what He wills with His own. He will keep the feet of His saints. You need not ask why, because God says so. For by his strength shall no man prevail. Man can't prevail by his own strength and by his own will. Man don't pick themselves up by their bootstraps. If they're lifted up, it's the Lord that lifts them up. That's what Hannah said. Now back in 1 Samuel chapter 12, in verse 20,
Samuel said, fear not. <laughs> well, what do we have to fear when God Almighty has us in His hand? Verse 20, And Samuel said unto the people, Fear not, you've done all this wickedness, yet turn not aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. You see, we've done all the wickedness. The only thing we can truly call our own is sin. We did the sinning, God did the saving. Yet we must serve Him with our whole heart. We must not turn aside from following the Lord. It's a vain thing to think that we can save or keep ourselves. Works is a vain thing that cannot profit or prosper. What a vain thing to think that we can provide ourselves with a perfect righteousness by the works of our own hand and our own heart. If you're honest with yourself, you know you can't. <clears throat> Listen to what God says about Himself. He said, I'll dwell among the children of Israel and I will not forsake my people Israel. First Kings chapter 6. This is speaking of true Israel, not the nation Israel. This is speaking of every true believer. All that are Israel are not Israel, not Jewish people. David said, for the Lord will not cast off His people, neither will He forsake His inheritance. <laughs> Isaiah said, when the poor and needy seek water and there is none, and their tongue faileth for thirst, I, the Lord, will hear them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. God does what He wills and God doesn't do what He doesn't want to do. But He will not forsake His people. Isaiah said, and I'll bring the blind by a way that they knew not. I'll lead them in paths that they have not known. Speaking for God, Isaiah said this. I will make darkness light before them and crooked things straight. These things will I do unto them and not forsake them. That's exactly what God has done for us. He leads us in the paths of righteousness. He turns darkness into light. He makes the crooked things straight. And He will not forsake us. Jeremiah said in Lamentations 3.2, It is of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed because His compassions fail not. His love fails not. So what does the believer have to fear? Jeremiah went on to say, the Lord will have compassion according or because of the multitude of His mercies. That word according means to grant. It's an agreement. It's a treaty. It's a covenant. It's a promise that cannot be broken. It can't be broken because of who it is that promises it. You and I make promises. Sometimes we're unable. Sometimes we're unwilling. Uh, I can't tell you how many times over the years, and I'm not proud of this, but somebody say, hey, can you help me move? Well, yeah, I'll help you move. And then not answer my phone, you know, the day they're going to move. Because I didn't want to do it. That's a lot of work. I know you've never done anything like that. Now hear me when I say that if the Lord saves us, we're saved forever. Why? Because of His mercies. His mercy. His loving kindness endures forever. David said, although my house be not so with God, yet 
He hath made with me an everlasting covenant. It's ordered in all things and sure. For this is all my salvation. There's no salvation apart from the Lord's covenant ordered in all things and sure. God has an abundance of mercy. The songwriter wrote, Depth of mercy can there be? Mercy still reserved for me? Yes! He's plenteous. He's got more than enough. He's a multitude of mercy. Psalm 5-7, But as for me, I'll come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy. And in fear, not fear of hell as we discussed in the first hour, but fear of looking anywhere but to Christ. And in fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Now I want you to turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. You can let your place go in 1 Samuel 12. Look at uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. We're talking about the love, compassion, mercy, and grace of God. And here John wrote in verse 9, In this was manifested the love of God toward us. Why? Because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. And here in His love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Why and how is God's love manifested to us? Because God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might believe through Him. That's what substitution is. Living life through Him. Salvation is in, it's by, and it's through the Lord Jesus Christ. In the book of Ephesians, it says that over and over. In Christ. By Christ. Through Christ, in Christ, by Christ, through Christ, time and time again. Here in His love. You see, my love is fickle. It's conditional, but not His. It's sure and it's unconditional. Here in His love, not that we love God. We don't talk about our love for God. Don't talk about your love for God. We preach and declare His love for us. He loved us and did what? He sent His Son to be a propitiation for our sin. As you know, propitiation means a mercy seat. His blood was shed upon the altar. Jesus Christ is our altar. He is our sacrifice. And He's our high priest. Jesus Christ is our expiator. Expiator means atonement. Atonement. One with Him. That's why my sins are put away. He's my atonement. Our sin is expiated by His sacrifice for us. That word means to make amends. Christ has made amends between us and God whom we have offended. He made recompense for our sins. He paid the sin debt by His own debt. 
It means compensation, restitution. It even means reward. Now, a lot of people talk about rewards in heaven. There is one reward in heaven. Jesus Christ is our reward. It means to make up for. That's what uh, expiate means. It, it means it, recompense means satisfaction. God is satisfied. God who was once angry with us every day is now perfectly satisfied with His people in Christ. Why do religious men and women think they can do something to save themselves when the Scriptures are so clear on the matter? I love to say it because it's true. Salvation's of the Lord. It, salvation is all about what Christ has done for sinners, not what sinners do for Him. Look uh, back at, you may not have to turn the page, John, 1 John 3, verse 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew Him not. Now that word bestowed, that's a wonderful word. Um, it means God's love is granted to us. It, it's donated and entrusted to us. Freely given without a cause. I, I love the story of Joseph. When we went through that in our study of Genesis, I just was amazed at how much he pictured Christ. He was thrown in the pit by his brothers. Men in this world, men and women in this world hate him without a cause. They'd do away with him if they could. If they could get their hands on God, they'd do away with him. The Ishmaelites got him and they sold him into slavery and he was brought into Potiphar's house. But you know what the scripture says in all this? And the Lord was with Joseph. Because of the lies of Potiphar's wife, he was thrown into prison and the prison, the, the man over the prison said, I'm going to make you over all the prisoners. Why? Because all that which he did, the Lord made to prosper. Why? Because the Lord was with Joseph. It's he who makes things to prosper. Joseph then was called to interpret Pharaoh's dreams and, and then was exalted to second in charge over all Egypt. From the pit to Potiphar's house, from Potiphar's house to the prison, from the prison to Pharaoh's throne, the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with him. All because the Lord was with him. What a picture of us. We, we were in the pit of despair. We were sold into the slavery of sin. We were thrown into prison by the law. We were delivered and made to sit among princes. <laughs> All because the Lord is with us. It pleased the Lord to make you His people. That's the only reason. Why? Because it pleased the Lord. Who made us to differ? God, the only one that can. Don't declare it was your doing. Don't proclaim it was a work of righteousness that you did. It simply pleased the Lord to do all these things. And I'm so thankful for that. Not as I should be, but I am thankful. You ever stop and think about why we go through tribulations as Joseph did? 
hated by his brothers, loved by his father, hated by his brothers. Um, why do we go through tribulations? Because the Lord chastens those whom he loves. Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. Deuteronomy 8 5. Solomon said in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24, He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chases him betimes. And that simply means early, early and immediately. Well, I'm telling you, I've seen that belt come off quickly before when I needed chastening. And now I see it was because my parents loved me. For whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth, and He scourgeth every son whom He receiveth. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as what? Sons and daughters. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? Hebrews 12, 6 and 7. So, we don't cry over our chastening. We rejoice because of it. Because God chastens those whom He loves. If you're going through a trial right now, and you love the Lord Jesus Christ, it's for your good. It's for your good. Chastening never goes to waste with a child of God. It gives us assurance that God is teaching us and weaning us from the things of this world. So let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Why? Because He is faithful to the promise. You know that word hold fast means to cling have you ever clinged on to something? Held on to it with all your might? We hold fast and we cling to Christ. We must not falter. We must not tremble. We must not fear. We don't hesitate to trust the Lord Jesus. We don't think twice or fluctuate. We're steady and we press onward. That's what Paul said. Press on to the mark of the high calling that's in Christ knowing that it pleased Him to save you. And He'll never forsake you for His great name's sake, for His own glory. Those two blind men, they said, have mercy on us. Have you asked the Lord to have mercy on you? The Lord said, believe ye that I'm able to do this? <laughs> do you believe that the Lord can show you mercy and save you by His grace? Well, the two blind men said, Yea, Lord. <laughs> yes, Lord. And His answer is always the same. He said, According to your faith, be it unto you. Now, it's not our faith that saves us. It's who our faith is in that saves us. So in closing, I want you to uh, look at Ephesians chapter 3 with me, verse 12. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12. Who are we talking about? We're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 3, verse 12 says, In whom? That's a person. That's Christ. 
We have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of Him. Friend, we have access to the very throne of God. And there's no need for us to be fearful to come into His presence as Israel was at Mount Sinai. You remember that? Oh, they they trembled and quaked. They said, Moses, you go talk to God for us. But as a child of God, we can approach and come into the very throne of God to find mercy and help in time of need. We through our mediator have access to the very throne of God. And we have it with boldness and confidence, not cockiness. We've been made acceptable and we and saved because our salvation doesn't depend upon our faithfulness to Christ, but His to us. Therefore, we come with boldness, not presumptuously, but with confidence in His finished work of righteousness for us. I'm so thankful for that. Verse 13, Wherefore I desire that you faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. And this goes back to what I told you earlier about tribulations and trials. The Apostle Paul suffered many Trials, tribulations, and persecutions, afflictions, not as an evildoer, but as a minister of Christ. He took pleasure in them. I'll show you that. Lord, teach us to do that, to take pleasure in our infirmities. Well, are you crazy? There's a song we sing Lord, sin, grief, and pain. Who would ask for that? A child of God, knowing that God chastens and sends those things to those that He loves. Paul took pleasure in why? Because the Lord was with him. He expected them, so should we. Because we are children, always asking why. And God taught Paul to glory in his tribulations. And God will cause all his children to do the same thing. In Romans, I'll read this to you. You don't have to turn there. Romans 5, 3, chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. Paul wrote, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. The hatred of this world, the temptations of Satan, our own corruptions within, are all the will of our Heavenly Father. And it's through them that our Father teaches us patience and we gain experience and we have hope that all things are working together for our good. It is with much tribulation that we enter the kingdom of God. Paul's tribulations all came in his work as the apostle of Gentiles, as a minister to the Gentiles. His work was the means that God used to make them heirs of glory. And I'm so thankful for the work of those that went before me. I wasn't at the time, but I am now. I think about Brother Montgomery, Brother Mahan, Brother Fortner, Brother Richardson, Brother Rivenbark, Brothers brothers Groover, Walter, and Walter and Cody both. I wish I could tell them again. Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. That's the reason. 
that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. Why? That Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love. I want to be rooted and grounded in love. Why? Verse 18. That we may be able to comprehend, understand, be taught with all saints what's the breadth and length and depth and height. Why? That we might know the love of Christ which passeth understanding. Why? That we might be filled with all the fullness of God. That's why Paul bowed his knees in reverence to God and thankfulness. And now look at verse 20, Ephesians 3. Now unto Him, to God, Christ, the Holy Spirit, that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could think or ask according to the power that worketh in us, unto Him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Now why are we to give God all the glory? Because the Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. That's why we're glad. The Lord's done great things for us. So the next time you question the Word of God and you ask yourself why, know that it's because it pleased the Lord to do this. Please the Lord to reveal this to you. It pleased the Lord to, to save you by His grace. No other reason. No other reason. Well, may God be pleased to do so for His glory, our good, and for Christ's sake.